Hello everyone and welcome back to the Jib Jab MMA show, our second episode in as many days. Because of how insane this fight week is going to be, this this fight, going, these fights going down on Saturday night. Unbelievable. We're into part two of the episode now, part two of the preview show. I'm your host, Ray Pollard. Still a lot of good fights, cool stuff to talk about, of course. Um, a lot of big names still still to talk about, and we talked about so many yesterday, but even more today, and we get to dive into some actual news, not just um, not just just the new fights announced. So so some more outside news, which is gonna be a lot of fun too. A lot of good stuff. I'll see you on the other side of the intro. So yes, we are back for the second part of the UFC 259 preview, back-to-back days, first time in history of the show, and we've entered the double digits for the show. This is the 10th episode, so multiple storylines to be made about this episode, double the history, or decade mark, we're doing it all. (laughs) Um, I'm just kidding. We, we do have some fights to talk about, like I said. Um, and We talked about two championship fights yesterday. We got the third to talk about today. And and a lot more. We, we still got another fight on the main card. Uh, and, and the prelim headliner. a lot, Just a bunch of stuff. And, and great news, too. So, let's get into the fights, as always. Petr Jan is taking on Aljo, the Funk Master... Sterling. This is the other fight that you can probably say is the most anticipated. Uh, you can say this fight is bringing equal amount of hype as the main event, if not more. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say you're crazy if you're more excited about this fight than than the main event with Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blachowicz, because these guys, these guys are so so good, man. They're they're both legit. Both in their primes, both unique skill sets, styles make matchups. This, these styles are going to play off one each other incredibly. Um, just so much excitement to this fight. It started with Aljo's hype call out, saying he's coming for that ass. The skills are there. They're both bringing incredible skills to the table. It's everything you want in a fight. Not not total bad blood, but you know they they want to beat each other for sure. They they. They know what this fight means. Aljamain didn't really like the hype that Petr Jan was getting. And we'll talk about that more as, as we get deeper into this. But I, I want to start off with the funk master, Aljamain Sterling, representing Jamaica. Um, truly, truly one of the best grapplers in the sport. Especially American-grown grapplers. When you take out all those, those Russian... Russian wrestlers and all all those guys, Aljamain truly truly is at that top top tier of the list. 
And even with those Russians, ref, uh, those Russian wrestlers in there, to be honest, I've been saying this a lot in in the past, like in the previous episode, and I'll say it a lot again. I'm gonna say it a lot more in this, not a lot more, but I'm gonna continue to say it in this episode. Aljamain Sterling is gonna propose the biggest threat to Petr Jan that Petr Jan has seen so far to, in his career. Uh, unless you want to argue Magomed, Magomedov. I guess you can say that, but I think Aljamain, Aljamain, as, as far as his UFC career goes, uh, he he will propose the biggest threat that Petr Jan has seen so far. That that's part of the reason Aljamain Sterling was so mad going going into this fight, because Petr Jan defeats Jose Aldo to secure the belt, and people are giving. Petr Jan crazy amounts of praise saying he's the best the people he's beat blah 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 where Aljamain Sterling is on the other end of the spectrum looking at it saying this guy hasn't beat anyone he, the people that Petr Jan beat to get there are Uriah Faber and Jose Aldo two absolute legends two of the best of all time no doubt but Aljamain in Aljamain's eyes those guys are on the back end of their career they're a little bit washed they're not they're not in their prime Aljamain Sterling is in his prime ready to go at the top of his game and he think Petr Jan's getting too much credit. So I think that's why Aljamain has motivation. And he's been talking a lot of smack about Petr Jan. And this is this is his chance to back it up. Like, you can't talk all saying all this stuff if you're not going to back it up. So he's got extra motivation going into this fight. It's going to be the best Aljo we've ever seen. It's going to be the best Petr Jan we've ever seen. So, yeah, I'm... Super excited. Aljamain Sterling coming in on a five-fight win streak. Um, most recently beating... Ever, ever since he lost to Marlon Vera. Or, no. Sorry. Not Marlon Vera. Mar- Marlon Marias. Where he got starched badly. He, he took that... Like, we, we all seen what happened to Aljamain. Taking that knee. And he was out cold. He was out ice cold. Like, took took him minutes to come back. He, he went to the underground. And I had to find his soul. But since that, five fight, five in a row. Like, and these guys aren't nobodies that he's beaten to get back to where he is. His second fight back, he finishes um, Cody Stamen. After that, Jimmy Rivera. After that, Pedro Munoz. We've seen what Pedro Munoz and Jimmy Rivera are capable. They just put on a fight of the fight of the night last weekend. Those guys are killers. And they're like real, real legit contenders inside the division. And Aljamain dealt with both of them. And then we've seen what he did to Corey Sandhagen. Finished him quick, like quick, early, early first round submission where he, he as soon as he got a hold of Corey Sandhagen, that was it. He, it was like glue. <laughs> like Aljamain wasted no time and he he choked out rear naked choke crisp beautiful clean just deadly and that's the kind of threat he's gonna bring to that fight he like i said top level grappler there's no secret what his game plan is he's been competing in the ufc since 2014 and he's just entering his prime now he's 31 years old so when you and peter yawn um, I don't ha- I don't know if I have his age. Yeah, I don't have it pulled up. But Peter Yan is, is I believe like 20, 
28 or 26 along those lines. So these these are two guys that are probably have goals of holding the belt for quite some time. And that's what makes this so exciting. Is these are two young guys that are fresh faces and have immense talent and big dreams inside the division. I want to take back what I said about the UFC. I feel like a few episodes back I was talking about the UFC Bantamweight division not having much direction. Like who... Who are they going to look at the, that brings attention to to this division? What what guy is going to be their star there? And like I'm, I was completely wrong. Now that this fight got hyped up and, and you kind of realize the the kind of excitement these two bring, and then there's Corey Sandhagen right behind them. Those are three young, legit, top tier like amongst any division. These those three are top top notch and. They're going to be around for a while. They're still all in their prime. And the the division doesn't even end there. You have Cody Garbrand. We've seen Pedro Munoz and Eddie Rivera last weekend. Dominic Cruz, who we're going to talk about. Uh, Jose Aldo still there. You have young and upcomers like Casey Kenny. If you if you want to dive deeper, you can talk about Sean O'Malley. He's, he's hot and cold on, on people's lists. But... This division is deep, and it's exciting, and I was completely wrong about what I said. Lots of young talent, up and coming, a lot of fresh faces, a lot of fun. Like I said, though, back to the fight, Aljamain has no secrets with what he's going to do. He's going to try to get a hold of him, and he's he, believes, he, he, he said it in one of his interviews. He said, I'm going to shoot, and he can defend all the takedowns he wants. He can defend 100 takedowns if, it's, if he gets it on the 101st try. It's game over. So that's the kind of confidence he's bringing. And he's not hiding what he's about. There, there really is no hiding it. When you see him fight, he has one goal in mind. And, and that's to get a, hold, his, his, get a hold of your body and squeeze you tight. So, and, and there's, there's no shame or there's no reason he shouldn't believe that. Because you look at what he just did against Corey Sandhagen. That win has aged beautifully because Corey Sanhagen has become a, a nightmare inside the division in his last two fights with spectacular knockouts. So what Aljamain did has only become even more impressive since it happened. But how should Petr Jan feel about this fight? Petr Jan, Russian, up like Russian stud. He he seems like an absolute killer to me. These Russians just keep getting scarier and scarier, man. The the, the MMA game is getting been getting taken over by Russians. It feels like you every time you you hear Russians fighting, you look at their record, and they're just studs. And you watch them fight, and they're just mopping people. So yeah, and he, he's not one of the Dagestani Stani type either. That's what. Peter Young kind of makes him unique. He's not in that wrestling camp, so he's more he's he's a striker and he's a striker at heart. It'll be a naive mistake to think that Jan is not prepared for this fight to go to the ground, though. If Aljamain thinks that as soon as, like he can think that he can get a hold of Jan and it's gonna it's gonna be lights out quick or he's gonna have his way with him. You have to be naive if you don't think Petr Jan is planning for that and planning for his biggest nightmare coming true in this fight, planning that it's going to take him, get taken to all the places he doesn't want to. This seems like Petr Jan seems to be one of the hardest workers inside the UFC, from the outside looking in at least. He's just disciplined, 
poised. He seems like amazing head on his shoulders. This is from the outside looking in, but like he just seems like he, he's like ready to he's ready to fight and like for a long time. Like he he's willing to put in the work and be serious about what he's doing in there and just calculating it all and putting in all the sweat, blood and tears. Obviously, like I said, his stand-up is no joke, and he he has the potential to seriously, seriously hurt Aljamain Sterling in there. He has the potential to hurt anyone in there. The other thing you can note that's like a little side note on this fight, because it does happen at these lighter divisions, you'll see more scrambles in the takedowns. It's just momentum, like you're able to carry the guy over you. All, all that kind of stuff. So... Aljamain has to be careful in the scrambles because if Peter Yan ends up on top, Peter Yan is scary from the top. His ground and pound is mean. We saw what he did to Jose Aldo when he got that belt. He messed up like he messed up Aldo bad. He was landing heavy punches from the top and Aldo was hurt and he couldn't find any way out. He he was in the deep end and, and there was no there was no coming out of it. So Aljamain has to be very technical, very clean, and, and make sure he's in the right position when he when he shoots and, and remains on top position. I just wanted to put that out there. The path to victory seemed very clear for both of them. Like, it's striker versus wrestler. Peter Jan is going to have to avoid the takedowns. And if not, he's gonna. Well, we're gonna see if he can find his way back to his feet against a guy like Aljamain Sterling. Where if he enter, if he gets the game to the ground, if he gets the fight to the ground, he's he's in his own world now. It's his playground. He's got all the tools. He's got all the all the rides, like everything you can think of. So, Peter Young needs to keep it on the feet, or if not, make sure that he doesn't stay on his back for long. And if he can keep it there, then he obviously has a significant advantage. For my prediction, it's crazy to think that there's three five-round fights on this card. Man, three three five-rounders. That's obviously what happens when you have three titles on the line. My prediction will be a third-round TKO Pewter Yawn. I say Aljamain's gonna slow down a tiny bit, just enough. He can't keep the grip. He's gonna shoot. He's gonna shoot a lot, and those shoots take massive amounts of energy. When you shoot, like you can, if you can get him up against the cage, then not as much. Depends. It all depends on on how technical he is, how he does with his feet, where he's able to get pewter. But if he's just shooting, 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 like when you when you're wrestling that. Those things take a lot of energy. And if, if Peter Jan's able to stop a handful of them, then that's a lot of wasted energy too. So, I'm predicting a third round TKO just because Aljamain's going to slowly, slowly fade. Peter Jan's going to... I don't feel great about this prediction. Like, I feel like it's a pick-em. With a, not, not truly a pick-em, but... I'm giving a slight edge to Peter Jan the same way I was giving the slight edge to Israel Adesanya. <sighs> I don't feel to- totally great about it. And I'm, if I'm being 
totally honest, I don't even feel totally great about the Amanda Nunez fight. And I know I'm going to sound stupid when Amanda Nunez goes in there and does her thing like always and, and makes it a joke, which is what she just does. But, like, I don't feel I don't feel confident in any of these fights to truly say this guy's going to win. Uh, I see this guy's path to victory and this is how we should do it and, and that's what's going to happen. I don't feel confident in any of them. But... If I were to choose a side, it's Peter Yan, third round, TKO. I'm sticking to it. He's, he's going to be able to maintain his gas tank slightly better than Aljo. He's going to get the speed advantage just enough that he needs. He's going to catch him, maybe on his way in, because Aljo's going to need to close the distance. And I just got to respect that Peter Yan's the more well, well-rounded MMA fighter as well. Um... It's it's very rare that you see a one-dimensional fighter like Aljamain Sterling. I feel bad saying one-dimensional, but he he has one true strength. Like his his one true threat is his wrestling, is his grappling. Where Peter Yan is the more well-rounded guy. He's he's no joke on the ground. He's no joke like, and he's even better on the feet. He he's a more well-rounded, true assassin for MMA so I'll give that edge to him as well on those two things I'll give Peter Yan the edge because Aljamain Sterling like it's very rare you see these one dimensional guys find their way to the top Habib like Habib might be the exception that it's just true one dimensional fighters are long time I now that I'm saying long time but it's just you have a lot more tools and a lot more advantages the more well-rounded you are. So that's also why I'm choosing Peter Young. If I'm to choose, like, if I want to give a hot take for this episode, uh, I don't even know if it's a hot take because I'm I'm still being pretty reasonable. So it's not really a hot take. But if Peter Young, I feel like he's the most likely to do it out of these guys. If Peter Young can take out the contenders that are coming his way, these these assassins waiting in the wings for him... He could be the bantamweight goat one day, like, and I'm, it's easy to say now because he's still got a long way ahead of him. But like the the people, the names that he's gonna have to go through to get there, it's just if he can do it, he's gonna have a resume that's gonna be tough to beat, man. Like, especially when you're just talking bantamweight. I know. I know we're about to talk about someone who, who might want to dispute that, but Peter Yan, when you look at Aljamain Sterling, is a true, true threat. And Corey Sanhagen is just waiting, ready to kill. And the other guy's coming. Look, look if I pull up that division real quick, you know Casey Kenny's on his way. Sean O'Malley, like I already said him, but he he's more further away. You, you have... Song Yudong, just people like just there and waiting for him, and there's only going to be more as we go. So th- this division is a tough one to hold down, and that's why I'm saying if Peter Yan's able to do it, he can, like I feel like out of the people right now, like he's one of the people that's not in that go conversation that that I feel like could be in the next four years. Well, how about that? That that's the hot take. In the in the next four years, Peter Yan is in the goat conversation.
there. Um, speaking of bantamweight goats, let's talk about them. Dominic, the Dominator Cruz, fighting his hometown boy, Casey Kenny. Can you believe that Dominic Cruz is on a prelim? I know, I know you heard him talk about it, and it makes sense. He he gets the most eyes, arguably out of anyone, including the pay per view, because he's going to be on the on the prelims. It's not going to be pay to watch. He's going to be on ESPN, and he's he's the last fight. It's going to be the one everyone tunes in to see, especially with a name like his. It's one of the best prelims. Feature fights you're, you're ever going to see. One of the best, like like we've been saying, one of the best cards you'll ever see, period. But this is one of the many reasons why. This is his first time not fighting for the title. In how long? Like six years or, or something insane like that? And and that was only because he, he had to vacate due to injury. If you, if you take that out, it's like 10 years, 11 years, something like that, that this guy hasn't fought for the title. Or been in a title fight. Absolutely unbelievable. The longest title run inside the division. Most title defenses. Like just legendary, legendary career. Walking in, strolling in, whistling into the to the USC Hall of Fame. Like uh, that's that's a shoe in. You're looking at a shoe in when you watch this guy fight on Saturday night. He is most recently coming off a loss. He's on a two-fight losing streak, though. The first two-fight losing streak of his career. He's now 22-3. and three. And he's coming off that, that most recent loss to Henry Cejudo, who, who's in the GOAT conversation as well. So there's no shame. They're, the only shame that came out of this fight were the excuses. He's made a ton of excuses about why that fight happened, why it went that way, and... Every every fighter can come up with excuses. I don't care how legit they are. How how there's reasons and there's excuses. And, and Dominic Cruz is he's just hammering it home. I get he's being asked a lot about it, but yeah, it's just championship material. You want you don't want to hear him making all these excuses. He wants to call them reasons for why it went the way that it is. If you want to truly be the best, those are things you have to come. You just have to overcome them. You have to fight through them. And he he got caught by a knee. The ref didn't put his head into Henry Cejudo's knee. The ref had nothing to do with that part where he got badly, badly hurt. And he was on the ground and Henry Cejudo was on top of him. He was in a bad, bad position. And it was it was early in that fight. So he was, he was in for a long... He's going to have to climb back after that. Um... So yeah, I didn't like. I haven't liked everything he said, fight-wise. After since that fight, he's he's not. He's like he's probably been the best poor loser I've ever seen because the way he explains it, he makes it sound like it's legit. But you just you just hope that like stuff like that isn't said as much. I don't know. That that's just how I feel. But. Back to why he he's so great, okay? He's 35 now. He's entering the final chapter of his career. Like I said, walking into the Hall of Fame. Maybe the best def- defensive fighter we've ever seen. Dude, this guy's just so hard to hit. This guy's a... Oh, like, I don't even know how to describe him. His unorthodox movement. 
is just like un you can't like unorthodox movement you, he fights like no one I've ever seen and no one's even tried to imitate his style it's just the level of output the level of mobility the level of cardio that the, his fighting style needs he's bouncing everywhere his head is in 10 different places at once it's just hard to it's hard to land on this guy so his head is just moving everywhere he's moving everywhere he's bouncing around he's always escaping finding finding his footwork finding a way out from up against the fence when you walk him down he's always just where you he's always where you think he's not so one of the best offensive fighters we've ever seen Demetrius Johnson's in there a bunch of people you can put in that conversation but he's certainly one of them and just innovative in, in his defense the way he moves he puts in hard work. There's no denying that. One of the hardest working guys you'll ever see. He puts his 100% into everything. So, besides the few losses to absolute killers that he's faced, his three losses come to Henry Cejudo, Cody Garbrand, and I'm missing I'm missing the third one right now. Wow. Who, who was the third one? I, I, I believe it's someone smaller. Wow. Anyways, escaping me right now. But, like, yeah, all of them are super, super legit. I, I want to go find out who that was. Uh, I'll be back in a sec. Okay, so, yes. I did just check, and it's none other than Uriah Faber. One, one of the best fighters of all time as well. The California Kid. I can't believe I forgot that. It was going to bug me if I, I didn't go check it. I knew it was someone, a very notable name, and... So I definitely want to know where else is going to bug me. So yeah, his three losses coming to those three guys. No shame in any of those. Um, If you do want to put a slight shade on on something, like if you want to put another, not another, but like one, if you want to be very nitpicky about his career, one of the few negatives you're going to find is that his finish rate is not amongst the elite. 22 wins, 14 are by decision. Over, over half by decision in that many fights. He, he, he rarely finishes people. Maybe in a three-round fight, though, that changes. He might want to be more active. He might want to stick a little closer to people and, and make sure he, he's getting his punches in, getting his licks in just a little bit more because he knows he's going to have less, less time in there, so he's going to be able to have higher output. Who knows? It's... it's it's gonna be interesting. Like, interesting. We haven't seen Dominic Cruz in a five-round fight in forever, so it's gonna be very interesting to see how he approaches it. If he changes anything, he's obviously gonna stick to his guns. There's no doubt about that. He's gonna want to jab, stick and move, in and out, just find his openings, quick in, jab out. You know, he's not gonna be inside the pocket for more than a blink, and. and uh, I can strongly say that that part of the game's not changing. He's not. He's still going to be defense before offense, and he's still going to be looking to move high mobility and, and just outwork his opponent on the feet. But if one thing that did interest in me about hearing Dominic Cruz talk this week is when people talked about. Uh, facing a guy like Casey Kenny, you know, were you upset about the name that you drew? He's not amongst the top of the division, blah, blah, blah. 
are you more upset about this because you're not getting that big name to find your way back to the tops as fast? And his response to that was, uh, it's an opinion on how good you think Casey Kenny is. Uh, it's all about perception. You you might look at the rankings and think, well, this guy's further down in the rankings. Dominic Cruz is taking a big step back. Where he, where Dominic Cruz is doing it, like Casey Kenny's one of the best in the world, which is true. But he doesn't have that that number next to his name. He's not gonna he's not gonna bring that kind of attention if you beat him. Where it's like, wow, Dominic Cruz just beat Casey Kenny. Get him back in there, like get him back another in another another title shot soon. Like this guy does. Casey Kenny isn't gonna give you that that kind of value. I don't care what you say. I don't think people share his opinion on that. I if he beats Casey Kenny. What does the win really do for him? I still think he has at least a top contender, mate, probably two, to get, get that belt fight back, like fight for the title again. Because there's no way this fight is going to do it. There's just no way. Speaking of that, though, let's talk about Casey Kenny, shall we? One of the most exciting up-and-comers inside the division. Only 29 years old, and he seems to be finding his stride. Entering his prime, three-fight winning streak. His most recent win comes up against Nathaniel Wood. And if you don't know who Nathaniel Wood is, because he hasn't been ranked yet, Nathaniel Wood's no freaking joke. Absolute. He's a freaking killer in there. Seriously good stand-up. Like, his stand-up is a threat to anyone. He's so fast. He does tire because he's, he's so fast, so explosive. He is one of those guys that will fatigue a lot, but... <laughs> Go through a guy like Nathaniel Wood is seriously impressive. He won the decision, fight of the night. It was a big, big win for Casey Kenny. Um, he's on a good stretch, but there's another guy on this card. Like I said, I'm going to say it a couple times uh, on this episode, and I said it a couple times on the previous one. Another guy who's facing the toughest fighter, toughest fighter of his career, and. This one stands a lot... Like, this one is the top threshold of, of that statement. He is taking a massive, massive step up. I know I just said Nathaniel Good. Nathaniel Good. Nathaniel Wood is good. I know I just said he's good. And he's amazing inside. His stand-up is amazing. But... When you step inside that octagon with Dominic Cruz... You, you're never seen anyone like Dominic Cruz. You can't... It's hard to imitate him. There's no one like him. When you when you step inside there with a guy like Dominic Cruz, you, there's no fight before that one that's going to prep you for a guy like him. And he's taking a massive, massive leap up um, from a guy like Nathaniel Wood to Dominic Cruz. Without a doubt, the biggest challenge of his career. For the prediction, Dominic Cruz will have the massive, massive experience advantage. Beating guys like, I, I should I even list out the guys he beat? It's just such a long list. T.J. Dillashaw, Uriah Faber, like we said, Benavides in his prime. Just the list goes on and on. I don't even want to look all the way down because it's such a long list. But serious, serious experience advantage. But Casey will have Casey Kenny's gonna have the speed advantage. So th- those are probably the two biggest weapons for both those guys. Dominic Cruz is. Arguably, his other big weapon is going to be the cardio. 
Dominic Cruz is unmatched cardio, at least inside that division, because he's just nonstop coming, going. Like, he's across the octagon in, in two seconds, and then back again. So, the speed advantage, though, for Casey Kenny is going to pay off huge. That, that's his biggest tool by far. It's Against a guy like Dominic Cruz, it's it's what you want. You need that speed. It paid off big for Cody Garbrand when they fought. And Casey, Casey Kenny's going to be at the smart with how he uses it, though. Like we said, Dominic Cruz is one of the hardest guys to hit in the history of the sport. So Casey Kenny's going to have to pick his times. He's, he can't just take the approach that a lot of these fighters fall into where they're just going to win off volume they're going to swing and hope that one lands it doesn't work like that Dom will slip slip point and point you to death he doesn't care he'll he'll win off points every time he, he'll find his moments and and pick you apart you can't just swing and, and hope that one lands he's got that crazy head movement his head is at like I said at five different places at once Go to the body on Dominic Cruz. Work the body. Work him, work him. Kick him. Slow him down, anything. Kick his legs. Kick his body. Punch his body. Don't don't headhunt. That, that's the last thing. You, like Maybe don't even throw to the head at all. I don't even know. Because at least I wouldn't throw a head punch in the hole for sure. <laughs> that might be a little bit of an exaggeration. But that's how much I think it it will pay off. If you're targeting the body and the legs against a guy like Dominic Cruz. And and other things I I'd like to see from Casey Kenny in this. He needs to faint. I, I think he when he's walking Dom down, everyone walks Dom down because Dominic Cruz is inviting you in. Casey Kenny needs to use a lot of feints. Make make Dom use those short bursts of energy to to get out of the way and, and you waste none and see how he's moving see how he how he bites on certain things see what he's doing and, and set some things up like find your game plan in the first if you have to and then plan your attack in the second and third and I, I mean faint a lot like faint a lot a lot because you're, you're not going to Lose too much energy, and you're going to learn a lot in that first round. Find the holes, and when you throw, make them count. Like, don't whiff. Don't just try to win off volume. Make them count. Land clean shots, clean shots. I know it's easier said than done. Dominic Cruz has to be one of the most annoying fighters, stand-up fighters for sure, in in the history, because this guy just doesn't get hit. And he doesn't... He doesn't let you hit him for, like, he's he's in and out, and he's running. People will call it running. It's just being smart. And you have to chase him down, and he, his game plan is just a very annoying one, but you have to fight through it. And, yeah, that, that's how I see it. For Dominic Cruz, what, what's he do? Like I said, business as usual. Like, his, his fight style, it's just so unorthodox. It's so rare. He, he's not going to see anyone like him, so just stick to the game plan. Pick him apart slowly but surely. Just pop, find your way in and out, back and forth, movement, movement. My prediction, Dominic Cruz by decision. 
he's going to win 30-27. And I think it's going to be a, a, just a class, just pure class from Dominic Cruz. There's levels to this game. And Dominic Cruz is going to remind us just who he is, that he's one of the best of all time, and he's still one of the best. I think he's coming in with something serious. to Like, he he has something to prove in this fight. Because if he loses, that's three in a row for him. And he's coming off a loss against a guy like Casey Kenny, With a low, like, lower in the division. This fight is huge for him. And I think he knows that. And he's going to remind us just who Dominic Cruz is. Saturday night. I, this is one I'm very comfortable in picking. This is... Okay, not very comfortable because anything can happen. Let me walk that back. And on on this fight card, this is probably the most comfortable I'll feel picking in any of these fights. Moving on, back into the main event. But first, let me grab a drink real quick. Okay, that was much needed. To the main event. The one kicking off the main event card. Or, not the main event, sorry. The main card. Well, hopefully I wasn't saying that too much. The one kicking it off is... Tiago Santos versus Rakic. Possibly one of the more underrated fights on this card. Just because there's so many, so many top, top level fights. And this is just another one that's kind of getting slept on a lot. This one, this one means a lot inside this division. This one can, this thing can play out a lot of ways inside the light heavyweight division. Based on things, how roll, how stuff rolls out. Possibly being viewed as a number one contender fight. By, by some people looking at this from the outside. Both these fighters do have title aspirations and are really cl- close to getting that title shot. Tago Santos had one just a few years ago, 2019, losing to John Jones. He gave John Jones an incredible fight, though, fighting on one leg, basically. And the man he beat just before that to, to earn himself that title shot was... None other than the, the man himself, the champ, Jan Blakovic. So that was his most recent win. He is on a two-fight losing streak, however. But beating a guy like Jan Blakovic, that, that win has aged extremely, extremely well. So, yeah. Tiago Santos' most recent loss is to Glover Teixeira, and that's why he is consensus next-in-line guy inside that light heavyweight division. Rockets most recently beating Lionheart Anthony Smith, who is never ever easy to beat and always a, a tough fight for anyone inside light heavyweight division. That guy is just never gives up. Just the heart. Just the heart on that guy's insane. But back to Tiago. Probably his last run at the title. If he loses this, it's gonna be a long, tough road back. 37 years old, but he still looks good, still looking great in his fights like I said gave John a good fight and just a couple years ago on one leg came back loses to Glover Teixeira but Glover Teixeira looked awesome in that so did Tiago Santos he's a significant sorry significant threat to anyone you put in the octagon next to him so like a, no matter who he's facing he's got the chance to win so it's striking strong but so's Rockage. Rockage also possesses that. Rockage, though, on the other side of his career, 29 years old, 13 wins, 9 KOs. So he, he's a he's a finisher. This guy finishes fights, and it's also with the striking. This fight, 
I predict it. It's going to be a, a very, very high-level kickboxing match. I feel like this fight means a lot more to Thiago Santos than it does to, to Rakic, though. Being closer to the end of his career, if he can win this, like, he, he I truly believe he has deep, deep title aspirations. And if he can win this one, it's also an incredible start of the year to his family. His wife just got the win a couple, a few weeks ago, by decision. So if he if he can get the win here, then that couple is starting off strong. But unfortunately, if if I'm predicting this fight, I I, I like Tiago Santos a lot, but I'll give it to Rockets. I'll I'll predict Rockets for the win. Hmm. Third round TKO is the prediction. Just off the momentum he has, he's coming off the he has the win. Thiago Santos has a couple losses. So just off the momentum and the power, his ability to finish fights. And he's Austrian, so why not? The, uh, some, more ethnic di- some more ethnic diversity is always a good thing. Uh, you can never complain about that, too much of that. So so some love for the, Austri- the Austrian, why not? Uh, let's move into some of the other fights and then we can get into some of the fun news we have to talk about. So... Some of the other fights that we have going on Saturday night, like I said, from top to bottom, they're absolutely incredible. If I were to pick up some other ones I want to highlight, we've already highlighted so many. Kai Car France versus Rogelio Bontoden. I'm sure I butchered the second guy's name, but Brazilian guy, Bontoren, if I were to pronounce it like an English man. Versus Kai Car France. Kai Car France is. An exciting, exciting fighter. Legit, legit. He He's on... I believe on an impressive streak inside this division. If I can pull it up real quick. Yeah, he's won three... Like, nine of his last 11. And those two losses are to Brandon Moreno and Brandon Royval. Or Brandon Royval. Just those two guys are at the very, very top of the flyweight division. And losing to those guys... You have absolutely no no shame in that. His, his fight with Brandon Royval was fight of the night. That that one happened last year. He knocked down Brandon Royval early with a punch. Brandon Royval gets back to his feet. While he's still wobbly, he lands a spinning elbow. Like Brandon Royval lands a spinning elbow while he's wobbly. And, and he drops Kai Kara France. They, they both drop inside the first half of the first round. Brandon Royval had the clear. Once Brandon Royval found himself, shook off, shook off the wobbliness, and his head cleared. He he got to clear his head in the grappling. Uh, like when the fight went to the ground, and Kai Car France kind of struggled from there. He did land. He still landed big punches against Brandon Royval in that fight. I and. But Brandon Royval, he's just so big and unorthodox for this division. It's so rare to see someone 5'9 with his length and size. At flyweight, he's he's such a unique threat. It's 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 like Brandon Royval is one of the best inside the division. So is Brandon Moreno. So you take those two guy out, two guys out, he's on a nine fight winning streak, and he's still beating great fighters. Like Mark De La Rosa. And he beat Tyson Nam. That Tyson Nam's his most recent win. 
So, and that guy's no joke either. He has light out power. So, Kaikara France, man, he, he trains at a, uh, I believe, City Kickboxing. Yeah, City Kickboxing. He trains with Israel Adesanya, that whole team with Eugene Behrman, all those guys, fighting out of New Zealand. So, he's got an amazing gym and amazing coach behind him. And he's, he's not old. He's still very young. Um, 27 years old. Um, probably hasn't even reached his prime yet if he continues to fight he, he's got I believe truly truly a truly bright future man he just needs to he's just running to some very tough opponents which you have no shame in losing to absolutely whatever but let's talk about his opponent a little bit uh, like I said I butchered the guy's name Rogerio Bontorin this guy's a little bit different he, he wrestled like he's more spread out he he'll grapple he'll wrestle he'll he'll strike his striking when we most recently when i most recently seen it it, it's a little loose he does get caught just like in his second most recent fight he he won verse he won via doctor stoppage he opened a massive gash on the guy's face but he also got caught like, there's two times where the ref had to stop the fight uh, for that fight to get the doctor to come in and look at them. The first one was for him. His for his eye or his cheekbone, it was swollen. It was, it was gooey. It was disgusting looking. Thankfully, it didn't get stopped there. And he was able to come back and land a vicious, vicious knee on the guy he was fighting at the time. Let, let me pull it up so I know who I'm talking about. Oh, it doesn't even freaking bring it up here. Well, sorry about that. But he, in his most recent loss, he loses to Ray Borg. <laughs> he loses to Ray Borg via decision. But it was a catch weight because Ray Borg misses weight. I just don't know how to feel about those, man. Because his, his record is now 15 wins and 2 losses. And he gets the second loss of his career to a guy that misses weight. I get that he signed off on it. He signed off for the fight to happen. But it's because he, he wants that paycheck. Like, you're not going to say no to money. And go through a whole camp and do the weight cut. And, and lose that on that money. So, it just sucks, man. I, I know I've said it before, but this guy's not... He loses to a guy that can't make weight, and now he has a second loss on his resume, which sucks, but Paiva. Paiva is the guy I was talking about where his striking was looking a little bit sloppy. If Kaikar France can keep it on the feet, I think he's going to have a significant advantage in this one. Uh, especially coming from City Kickboxing. He's only going to get better in my eyes. Still so young. I'm excited to see what new tools he has, how crisp he, he's going to be. So my prediction for this one is Kaikara France is going to win via stoppage. I'll, I'll give him a, a third-round stoppage. Leg kick TKO. Bam. Re- real specific. Not, not TKO. Uh, leg kick? Yeah, TKO. Okay, moving on. Into the early prelims, if I may. So, if you look at the feature fight of the early prelims, we have 
none other than Tim Elliott fighting Jordan Espinoza. Two two vets, two two very good fighters, but they're they're still in their primes. These guys have a bunch of fights on on their resume, and I feel like this was the UFC kind of hedging their bets a little bit. It's not even hedging their bets because this early prelim fight, like, it's not even like considered a feature fight, but. Tim Elliott is like a walking fight of the night. This guy has four bonuses, five bonuses inside the UFC. Performance, fight of the nights, all that stuff. He He's going to bring the fight. He's going to bring excitement. There's no doubt about it. Win or lose, he, he's going to be exciting to watch. He's got losses to Askar Askar, Brandon Royval. So he's he's fought some serious, serious... So yeah, he had a three-fight losing streak to Brandon Royval, Davis, and Figueredo, and Askar. For three top top of the division guys and then he has a mo- most recent fight in a win over ryan benoit so yeah like this guy this guy's seen it all he he's a vet he's seen the top guys he, he knows what his game plan is he knows what he's got to do and where he's got to get this fight i believe he's got very very strong jujitsu good good wrestling great jujitsu jordan espinoza i don't know as much about if i'm being honest he doesn't seem to have quite the resume. He he lost to Alex Perez, but it was a very early submit, submission. Some other notable names. Mark De La Rosa again, David DeBoya. So yeah, like two vets, two guys that are gonna bring it, I'm sure. Flyweights. Flyweights never disappoint. They're they're gonna be active, they're gonna be flying around. Uh, no pun intended. But yeah. That that's the, the early prelim. Is there any more I wanna talk about on here? We already talked about Sean Brady. I can't believe that's a freaking early prelim. I'll touch Carlos Alberg. He's going to be exciting. Light heavyweight fighter. I'm not sure who he's facing, but Carlos Alberg is... I, I, I'm i excited about seeing him fight. Uh, yeah, that's about all I want to touch on there. I, I'm, I'm kind of excited to get into the news, so let's go into some of the news that we have to talk about. UFC was able to... When I was talking about yesterday... Dana White being able to hold a presser. I did not realize that they were putting on a full press conference. I, th- I thought he was just getting his individual attention like from the media. You know, just one on him just versus the media. But they had the full freaking press conference going, man. That, that kind of blew my mind. Like, holy shit. Like, all these fighters are on stage together. Mask off. I, I got there. Um, they weren't even sitting that far apart. So, yeah, like... I love the press conferences. I was excited to see those back. And when I saw that pop up on my YouTube, I was like, damn, let's go. Like, I was hyped up. Uh, especially fun when they're talking shit to each other on stage. There wasn't as much of that in this one. They're keeping it classy for the most part. Aljamain and Peter Young were having fun with each other. Which made me laugh. And it's just fun to see the sport getting back to how it should be. Press conferences are awesome. Um, massive win for the UFC, getting it all together, getting all the fighters on stage. First time in, I believe, a full year. Things seem to be continuing to look up with with this COVID stuff. They're they're finally they're getting back to how things it used to be. Um, and I hope I'm praying that we're not moving too fast. I hope they're they're making calculated and calculating the risk and making sure everything's taken care of when they're doing this. And I hope it doesn't come back and slap us in the face because that, that will suck. To get to see this stuff happening and, and seeing the excitement come back. Um, 
outside of the fights itself the the out the outer atmosphere excitement if you if you will if that makes sense but yeah like i i'm excited that it's coming back i i hope that it works out and it's it's all heading in the right direction because i got excited and just seeing all those fighters up there it wasn't the best press conference ever it wasn't the most dramatic or most action just they kept it classy but it was just fun hearing them be able to talk to each other and you know look around and all that stuff dana white was there so yeah other news they they talked about doing more continuing to do more shows in other places they did talk about florida a little bit earlier they're looking at to do a a show or two in florida this year they're also talking about texas now some states are starting to open up uh, and I believe Texas is one of them. They, Dana White said he's trying to do Dallas, but they said no. So now he's he's moving his focus more towards Houston. So it'll be interesting to see if he can get that done. It's just, like I said, stuff seems to continue to be heading in the right direction. Fans, press conferences, shows all across the world, all across America. Just hopefully slowly, slowly builds momentum and keeps it going. And, and we're back back in business in no time. Never that, not that they ever stopped, but back to what we expect as fight fans. And yeah, just bring that outer atmosphere excitement. <laughs> Other news. There, there was, I'm not sure if this is news. I just kind of noticed this myself. I didn't really see people talking about it too much, but... If you follow John Jones on Twitter, or not on Twitter, sorry. If you saw him, if you follow him on Instagram, you he's been talking a lot of shit on Instagram with the memes lately, but it, it's hilarious. I did want to talk about one though. He he put out he responded to Daniel Cormier, and if you didn't see what happened, Daniel Cormier was on his show with Helwani, and he's talking about how he he responded to Helwani saying John Jones isn't locking anyone out inside the heavyweight division. He, he said he doesn't have the power. He, he doesn't have the power to knock those guys out. He's felt the punches. He can, He's not going to knock any of the heavyweights out because he just doesn't have that type of lightning in his hands. If you continue to listen, if you didn't just hear the segment that was on his Instagram, if you actually listened to the show, which I did, and heard what he's talking about, he said his power lies in his kicks and his knees. That, like if he can that's where his power is he can he go finish people there he was talking about his hands and maybe they got lost in translation because uh ariel hawani wasn't didn't say anything about his hands but i believe that's what daniel cormier interpreted as where john jones is not gonna likely knock anyone out with his fist he's just not that guy anymore he's i don't know but john jones eventually got caught wind of it and he posted uh, I saw it all through the YouTube comments I saw it all through the Instagram comments people were putting Daniel Cormier on blast John Jones posted the meme like of course it's the first thing everyone's going to think of it's it's the head kick knockout John Jones knocks out Daniel Cormier and you see through all the comments on YouTube like wow isn't he the guy that knocked you out it's like, wow, you got knocked out by him and now you're saying this, blah, blah, blah. What a bad look. How quickly people forget. Didn't he send you to the shadow realm? All, all the 
things you can think of people are saying. And John Jones caught one of it and he put it on his Instagram, but it's just crazy how people quickly wanted to bash Daniel Cormier when they didn't even understand truly what he said. He said his power lies in his kicks and he got knocked out by kick. That's not what Daniel Cormier is talking about. And I understand what he means because the way John Jones fights now, he doesn't finish as many people. He hasn't finished many fights lately. Be it, be it Thiago Santos, Anthony Smith, Dominic Reyes. I'm trying to think of his most recent fights. Clover Teixeira, maybe. Uh, maybe he finished one of those guys, but I'm not sure. But I know he's not finishing. Like, he doesn't have a five, high finish rate in his most recent fights. And he's going up a weight division. So, clearly, that's not going to transfer. Like, he's not going to all of a sudden move up and wait and, and find his finishing. Like, find his his finishing touch to put these guys away it's he's a more defensive fighter now he's smarter he's just looking to i'm not sure if this is the way he's thinking about it but it looks like he's just trying to get points land more strikes take you down here and there and just outsmart you out mma you just all that kind of stuff it just got lost in translation it's just crazy to me how people are so quickly to turn on daniel cormier who who's a legend, and he knows better than any of us. He's been in there with John Jones, and he's been in there with the best heavyweights in the world, and he knows what it takes. So, yeah, like, you got... Uh, I know I'm preaching to people who haven't, probably weren't doing that, but I just wish people were more thoughtful and considerate and realize what they're saying before, or realize at least what he was saying before they, they comment on it. Anyways, that's besides the point. If I, I do want to touch on, since we're on the topic, the more I think about John Jones winning a heavyweight, this could backfire fast. I, I'm starting to get nervous for for John Jones. It could back backfire fast because once people realize John Jones doesn't have that power in his fist, they're probably going to be more like when you think of a guy like Francis Ngannou or Derek Lewis, whoever, whoever he's fighting, they're going to be more willing to f- fight through those punches to land one of their own, Jarzinho, Rosenstein, any of these top top power guys, even some guys you might not think of as powerful, Ciro gone, Stipe, whoever he's fighting, they're going to be willing to walk through his fist to land a big one of their own, and they're not going to be scared of him. Not the same way those light heavyweights were, like especially a few years ago. So I'm getting scared for John Jones, man. This, I think he's taking a serious, serious challenge on. I think he knows that, and that's why he did it. And maybe he does get back to prime John Jones because he realizes threat, the level of threat he's going to face no matter who he's fighting. And he's going to come in seriously prepared, and maybe he gets back to who he was. So, yeah. Moving on. Dana has another meeting scheduled with Habib. <laughs> A third one in like three months or something like that. But yeah, it is what it is. I want to talk about the a little bit more about the lightweight division because I don't know what Dana's plan is with him, man. Or Sean Shelby's. But I think it's Dana. I'm not sure what he really expects to happen here. Or what what he wants to like I'm sh- I think I know what he wants to happen. He wants Habib to say he's coming back, but only after Dustin fights Connor and Connor Connor wins not for the belt because the people hold on to it he's saying he'll say he's coming back so they're he's gonna let the fights play out Connor beats Dustin and then he's back blah 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 I don't, I, I, that's Dana's dream world obviously but none of these fights have been signed it seems like 
Connor and Poirier slowly getting closer and closer for late summer. Who knows what's happening with Chandler? He wants to be super active, like he. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on with him. It seems like they're moving towards Gaethje, from what I hear. Like what I hear in the media, at least. So, that's an exciting fight. But I don't know if they're getting close to it. I feel like that fight can maybe like. I'm not sure who's not signing there. Is it Gaethje? I guess I'm not sure. Just very, very interesting. This. What's going on in that division? Because it seems like you guys that want to have guys that want to fight. I'm just they just probably haven't reached the numbers they want. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what happened in the chart. Like what's going to go on with Charles Oliveira? I'm not sure what's going to happen with Khabib. But Dana, they, it's so weird because it seems like Khabib truly doesn't want to fight. Like fight anymore? At least not anytime soon. But it's true when Dana says. That he's not saying no to these meetings. He's still meeting up and, and li- listening to me talk and hearing what I have to say. And he's not saying no. So that part is true. It's very it's very confusing on what Habib's plan is. So, yeah, I just want to kind of touch on that. They are meeting again. Very, very interesting. Very confusing. Anyways, before I wrap up on the show, I do want to go through this card one more time. Because I just want to... Get giddy one more time before tomorrow night when this all goes down. I, I'm going to give my brief last thoughts on all of this. Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blakovic. I do have Izzy, but I'm not feeling great about it. Jan Blakovic, uh, give me an amazing, amazing fight. Megan Anderson versus Amanda Nunez. I'm not feeling great about that, picking Amanda Nunez either. She's probably going to make me feel stupid on the recap but like I don't know I just have a weird weird like I understand Amanda Nunez is the favorite and rightfully so I have a weird weird feeling that about that fight I, I'm not sure why Peter Jan Aljamain Sterling we already, we just talked about that one unbelievable Peter Jan I, I can see being like I said hot take in the GOAT conversation the next guy in that conversation another guy that can be in that conversation actually Islam Makachev. Now that now that the the press the interview excitement got kind of worn off on me, I think Islam Makachev, man, Islam Makachev is, uh, is gonna is gonna control this fight. Drew, jo- Do- Drew Dober will have his moments, but Islam is just next level. Habib, everyone's saying it. I I have to listen to them. Islam Makachev is the real freaking deal. You're everyone saying like his stand looks better than Habib's. His trips are better than Habib's. His wrestling's better than Habib's. His sweeps all. The only thing Habib has over him is his mental, his mind state. His mental game is unmatched. But yeah, Islam Makachev is just legit, and I'm excited to see him fight and and what he does in this division. After, after, if he's able to get through Drew. Thiago Santos, Alexander Rakic. Underrated, underrated fight. But yeah. Ah, I don't want to repeat them all. Dom, prelim, unbelievable. You have Dominic Cruz, one of the... And Joseph Benavides. Two of the best of all time on the prelims. In early prelims, you have Sean Brady. Like, just hiding in the early prelims. Who's one of the best... In the welterweight division, especially when you think of up-and-comers, this guy is legit and he's serious. 
and he's ready to make a serious push in that division. So, yeah, that's going to do it, guys. I won't talk any longer. I've said a lot about this. I hope you guys heard, enjoyed what I had to say about this fight card. I hope you're excited as I am. It's all going down Saturday night, tomorrow night. It's finally here. I've been looking at this card for a few months now, and it's just, as it's been pieced together, it's like, holy shit. So, yeah. Um, I'll see you guys on the other side of the fights. I hope you guys enjoy them. I hope you guys have an amazing weekend. I'll see you on the other side. I'm looking for exciting. I'm looking for flashy. I'm looking for somebody who has that, uh, that thing. What is that thing? The Jibber Jab MMA podcast. Is that thing.